Another week into our request season. Yes. This is going to be a really fun one, too. It's really, this is a timely request episode. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very witchy. I Though, um, I'm really excited. This is our first request of a fictional character this season. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So I really like that because we don't get as many of those. Yes, exactly. So this will be good. Um, or it's someone from, like... I know uh, who requested Farrah Archer on like years ago, which launched our whole thing into the book series. But then it was like we were a little too close to really cover her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, so I think Avery Bray I also say, I think it was requested okay. Farrah. Okay. Um, and I had I she requested it, I think. Long before I ever read it. And I was like, I'll read it at some point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we have Avery to Bray, Avery Bray to thank for a lot of our lives lives (laughs) (laughs) uh but anyways we're not here to talk about books we're here to talk about history on the rocks with katie and Allie. this is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but keep in mind we're drinking the entire time and we're not even historians (laughs) not at all we talk about history we like history i like to think we're learning every day oh absolutely we're adding new things to our book of history knowledge (laughs) um but we know that you're busy like it's the most busiest time of the year it really is i would say more so than christmas this is bananas right now it's crazy so right now you are maybe doing what i was doing earlier you're cutting up cheesecloth and putting it over lanterns cutting out little eyes to make little spooky ghosts for your front porch why wouldn't you be doing why that? wouldn't you be doing that that's the only um, thing to do. <laughs> so you're busy and we don't want you to stop what you're doing to look up what these women look like so we're going to describe them for you we're going to get a little physical physical Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? <laughs> I am doing Wanda Maximoff or the Scarlet Witch. She is an Eastern European woman with reddish brown hair. Her superhero costume is composed of a bathing suit style leotard with long gloves, mid calf boots, and tights. Um, also, it has a superhero cape and a crown type head. It's a weird cover thing. <laughs> that's not a mask. It doesn't cover her face. It just like engulfs her head. Um, all of which were are colored in shades of red. Mm-hmm. Um, and most famously, she is per- portrayed by Elizabeth Olsen. A gem. I love Elizabeth Olsen. I think she is perfect. <sighs> just took the torch of her sisters and went running with it. I mean, she has now done an ultra marathon. Yeah. <laughs> of MCU. Okay. Um, tell me who you're doing and what she looks like. All right. I am doing Ursula South Isle, a.k.a. Mother Shipton. Ursula is said to have a hooked nose a crooked back, and bulging eyes from the time she was a baby. Being a woman of the 1500s, we can say that she probably wore long, dark dresses and a head covering. And that is what she's wearing in the statue of herself. And in this statue, uh, she does not have the big hook nose, bulging eyes. Like, she just looks like Like an average woman, (laughs) not like a portrait of a witch. Um, But she, in this statue, is holding a large parchment that has some little demons resting upon it good <laughs> she's sitting on a bench you know what reading they say with them. if they if life gives you demons yeah 
Make demon age, sure. baby. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what she looks like. <laughs> Perfect. I want to know what I'm drinking. Okay. It's very green and very witchy. Very green. So this is called Soothsayer. And it is gin, sour apple liqueur, lemon juice, and egg white. And then you shake it up, and then you put little dashes of Angostura bitters on top and make a little fun pattern. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Mmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Tastes very Halloweeny. It does. <laughs> it tastes Halloweeny. It looks Halloweeny. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect time of year for that. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. So what do you know about Mother Shipton? So I'm assuming here, this is all assumption. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that she is a local healer based on Sue's, the name of the cocktail. Uh, and I am assuming that she was accused of being a witch. And was not a witch. Perfect. Well, let's get into it. We're not a witch. <laughs> maybe she white. was. Maybe she wasn't. And I would like to thank Kel on Instagram for requesting Mother Shipton, aka Ursula. Uh, I had an absolute blast doing this research this week. So thank I you. <laughs> love fun research. Yeah. Sometimes it's crying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like intense. And mm-hmm. when it's fun, it's good. Especially because like, so I don't know about you, but I like to kind of do like a little bit of like a a, a soak in the research for, at first. Oh, like yeah. I just absorb it instead of like writing, writing it down, down first. Sure. Um, and I did so while rolling coins this week. $66 in coins around my house. Also a little witchy in itself. One more six, and we could have had the devil's coins. All of them. All of them. So <laughs> so thank you to Kel, and thank you also to History's Forgotten People YouTube channel, Wikipedia, and the What's Her Name podcast. Very great. In, ni- <laughs> in 19. <laughs> Not 19. I can't even get to the first Not two 19. Goals. In 1488, a 15-year-old girl named Agatha Soothtail was wandering around the town of Narsborough in North Yorkshire, England. As she traveled, a wild thunderstorm shook the skies, and Agatha was searching for some shelter because she was in labor. She found a cave, went inside, and gave birth to a baby girl she named Ursula. Now, from the get-go, the life of Ursula, Ursula Soothtail, or South Isle, is shrouded in mystery and legend. Some Wait. St- She's born in a cave during a thunderstorm? Yeah. That's so cool. Very Ginger Rogers of her. I know. (laughs) There was a bear and everything. Um, So some stories say that poor Agatha, who was a young pregnant orphan, had sought help from the devil because she had nowhere else to turn. Or maybe the devil tricked her, coming to her as a handsome man and seducing her. And some say that Agatha herself was a witch and summoned the devil to conceive a child. Either way, Agatha is poor, she has no one, and she is pregnant. And when the local magistrate brought her into the church to chastise her, she said, interesting that you say I'm immoral when I know that you impregnated two young servants in your home. Woo! Never call out the big boys. Mm -hmm. That's a bad decision. So he stopped his, you know, he dropped, like, the case or whatever that he was. Mm. (laughs) I don't know what case, like, if he's going to put her in jail for being pregnant at a wedlock. uh, Either way. Either way, it is said that Ursula did not cry when she was born, but cackled. And even as a newborn, had large bulging eyes, a hunched back, and a crooked nose. Proof to many in the village that the baby was marked by sin. 
It also didn't help that the cave that Agatha sought shelter in was a cursed place. This particular cave by the River Nid has a mossy skull-shaped pool on top, and the water that cascades over the edge is said to have had um, to have magical powers that turn any object in the cave to stone. And the cave itself is very cool looking. I and mean, wait, so not only a cave, but a waterfall covered cave. A waterfall covered cave with a skull on top. And I was born in GBMC like a fucking idiot. Also. I <laughs> go, <laughs> like moron. Um, also, it's cool because I was watching a whole video about this cave. And it is one of the only, wa- I think it might be like one of the only waterfalls in the world where the water flow is constant. Like, it is the same exact amount every day, all the time. Well, it's, it's like 700 gallons per, I don't know, hour or something. But it's like, it's, it never wavers with it, no matter how dry the climate gets, no matter. It, it's weird, right? Like, that is that's very crazy. Weird. It must have just been a place with such like a constant yeah. uh, temperature. Yeah. Um, so we'll get more into the cave in a little bit. Um, so this cave is where they lived for the first two years of Ursula's life because the town simply would not accept a witch and her devil daughter uh, until the abbot of Beverly ends up stepping in and helping them. So he's kind of like a guy from the church who like actually has good intentions. And he's like, this baby should not be growing up in this cave. Let Perfect. me help you. Yeah. Uh, so he found a foster family for Ursula and was able to find a place in a convent for Agatha in Nottinghamshire. Mm. So Ursula and Agatha would never see each other again. No. Very sad. I know. Uh, but of course, Ursula's shenanigans didn't stop when her mother was gone. She was left alone at home while her foster mother left to run errands and her mother returned to find the front door wide open. Afraid of what might be in the house, she called her neighbors for assistance and the group heard a loud wailing like, quote, a thousand cats in consort throughout the house. Everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. That's what I picture. That's a thousand cats in consort, yeah? Yeah, that was a lot of cats. (laughs) Um, Ursula's cradle was found empty, and after a frantic search throughout the house, her mother looked up to see Ursula naked and cackling, perched on top of the iron bar where the pot hooks were fastened above the fireplace. So that was when she was a kid. So then she gets a bit older. So right now she's like a teenager and she's walking around town and the chief members of the parish were gathered together in a meeting. She walked past the group just running errands for her mother and the men stopped to mock her, calling out hag face, devil bastard. (laughs) Like terrible thing. Pitcher's got a Uh. big (laughs) Ursula kept walking to continue her errands, but As the men sat back down, the collar on the neck of one of the men transformed into a toilet seat and clapped down around his neck. The man next to him began to laugh, and as he did, the hat he was wearing was suddenly replaced by a chamber pot. (gasps) People were really trying not to laugh, but when a woman couldn't hold it in anymore, (laughs) she not only started laughing, but she was farting louder than should have been humanly possible. She was laughing and farting. Yeah. And then, of course, the whole crowd just absolutely lost their shit. Toilet humor. It's the um, best. <laughs> the highest brand of comedy. <laughs> so this, of course, was the breaking point. Everyone's laughing. And then the master of the house comes running downstairs to see what was happening. But when he tried to run through the door, he found himself blocked by a large pair of horns that had grown from his head. 
He's a ram now. After this, no one publicly mocked Ursula. They only talked shit about her in Behind secret. her back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the proper way. Yeah. Uh, and if you're wondering about the historical accuracy of the toilet thing, uh, so was I. They did not have modern day toilets, obviously, but they did have privy chambers that could have like wooden seats with a round hole cut out. So they could have looked like what we might think of like they wouldn't have looked like what we, what we think of now um but it did exist in some capacity i see yeah so it wasn't like a white horseshoe no <laughs> <laughs> it's more like it almost like probably looked like the stocks you know oh yes yeah 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 <sighs> Uh, Ursula can continued to live her life on the outskirts of society. Um, and honestly, like maybe she liked it better that way. Like she was like, okay, like don't fucking irritate me. <laughs> um, people didn't interact with her very much, uh, but they did buy her potions and medicine. Ursula had grown to be an expert herbalist and everyone in the town sought her expertise. So during this time, especially if you had a keen knowledge of plants and how they could be used to help people, it did seem like kind of a witchcraft because mm. if you were to do it without knowing what you were doing, like just go out to the woods and find stuff, like you would probably eat something poisonous sure. and die. <laughs> so if you were to find someone who their shit really did work and it made you feel better instead of killing you, like you'd be like, wow, like she must be a witch. Right. Like <laughs> ginger settles your stomach. Uh -huh. Like if you actually know that and it makes people not sick off their ass because mm -hmm. they don't have Advil. No, there's no Advil. No, they don't. Um, and this is the ultimate irony of stories of women like Ursula. The people of the town don't like them, won't accept them, but ultimately can't live without them. Uh, the video I watched called her and a woman like her necessary evils. And then in 1512, when she was 24, she sent shockwaves through the town by getting married. She married a man named Toby, Toby Shipton, and he was a local carpenter. And from this point on, Ursula adopted her husband's surname and became Mother Shipton, even though she didn't have any kids of her own. Um, of course, Ursula can't have anything nice. So when they got married, the townsfolk gossiped relentlessly that she must have bewitched him. <gasps> oh, I know. The other rumor was that Ursula had a large amount of money and that's why Toby was marrying her. Maybe he just loved her. Maybe he just fucking loved her. Like, could that be it? Yeah. The cave woman. Like, <laughs> how weird. <laughs> but regardless, she was happy and she was also not giving up on her side gig as the local magic woman. Um, about a month into her marriage, a neighbor came to the door and asked her for help. She said, I left my door open. A thief came into my house and stole my new smock and petticoat. She called the neighbor down and said, I know exactly who stole it. And I'm going to help you retrieve it tomorrow. The next day, she's like, let's go to the market together. And lo and behold, in the center of town, the woman who had stolen the clothing couldn't stop herself from putting the smock on over her clothes, the petticoat in her hand, and marching through town. She started to dance while singing, I stole my neighbor's smock and coat. I am a thief and here I shout. <laughs> and when she reached Mother Shipton, she took off the smock, handed it over, curtsied, and left. So she was bewitched. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so things are going well for Ursula, but unfortunately, just two years later, her husband Toby died. And of course, everyone said that she did it. Yeah. Duh. <sighs> Heartbroken and grieving, Ursula ran back towards the cave where she was born, and she stayed there for the rest of her life, 
selling potions to the townsfolk who dared enter the cursed cave. And the more isolated she became, the more witchy she got. Ursula soon became well known for her predictions, which is how she got the title of Soothsayer, which is what I named the cocktail after. One of her most famous predictions was, Water shall come over Ooze Bridge, and a windmill shall be set upon a tower, and an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. So the River Ooze was the river next to York, and Ooze Bridge was the bridge over that river. Hmm. This prophecy meant nothing to the people of York until the town got a piped water system. So the system brought water across Ooze Bridge in pipes to a windmill that drew up the water into the pipes. The pipes they used were made out of elm trees. That's incredible. How did she know this? I don't know. Who is she talking to? And the pipes came to every man's door delivering water throughout the town. Isn't that crazy? That is. In the 1500s, too? I know. I'm I'm really just shocked about the plumbing situation. Yeah. Talk to me about this urban planning that you have going on. What Elm tree pipes. Don't they rot? No. Elm is a naturally, like, rot-resistant pipe. Wood, kind of like teak, I think. Well, that is the thing I learned today. Yep. You know how you learn something new every day? That's yep. my thing. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to me. You're welcome. <laughs> then she made another prediction about this same river. Before Ooze Bridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone in the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. So not long after she made this prophecy, a huge storm fell on York. During the storm, the steeple on the top of Trinity Church fell and a portion of Ooze Bridge was destroyed and swept away by the river. Later, when making repairs to the bridge, pieces that had previously been the steeple of the church were used as the foundation of the new section of the bridge, effectively making Trinity Church and Ooze Bridge what was built in the day and fell in the night and the steeple from the church, the highest stone, the foundation of the bridge. But, you know, like. It all came true. This is very like Nostradamus. Like you say a whole bunch of things, but it doesn't make sense until after it happens. Mm -hmm. That's what most predictions are, though. Yes. Yeah, I think so. So when these two predictions came true, people of the town and beyond started to come to her to get a glimpse into their future. Word even reached royal ears. And in 1537, King Henry VIII is known to have referenced Mother Shipton in a letter to the Duke of Norfolk in which he mentions a witch of York. Maybe it's not Mother Shipton, but who else could it be? I think it's her. <laughs> I think it's her. It's got to be her. <laughs> King Henry VIII knows his women. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this witch because she had made a lengthy prediction about Henry. When the cow doth ride the bull, then the priest beware the skull. And when the lower shrubs do fall, all great trees quickly follow. Shall the mitred peacock's lofty cry, shall to his master be a guide. On one great court to pass, shall bring what was never done by any king. The poor shall grieve to see that day, and hooded feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride, and pride brought woe. Pride goeth before the fall, Mm -hmm. baby. So it's a pretty long one, but people believe that the bull and the cow represent Henry and Anne Boleyn. Mm -hmm. The skull could mean death for Anne or death to the Catholic Church. Sure. 
The mitered peacock was a reference to Cardinal Thomas Wolsey, who, of course, was the real power behind politics for quite some time. And what was never done by any king was referring to the separation of the monarchy from the church. Yeah. That had never been done before. (laughs) This, of course, caused the church to lose money, close down monasteries, and thus the poor suffered, which is why they would grieve the day that this happened. And it would also just, in like, in the subsequent years, cause a lot of difficulties with, like, Protestants versus Catholics. Like, oh, yeah. It, like, like laid the foundation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and not to um, mention, like, there were a lot of loyalists who loved Catherine because yeah. she was the queen for 30 fucking years. And she helped a lot of poor people yeah. while she was queen. So that's sure. another reason why, mm-hmm. like, the poor would grieve this day is because, like, they lost their champion. Um, and, of course, riches brought pride and pride brought woe um could be referring to literally every person in this scenario <laughs> <laughs> Anne, henry the catholic church thomas Wolsey, all like, of them everyone um so this is just like a really interesting thing i love it and then she made an, another prediction about Wolsey. she said he would see york but never enter it and when thomas Wolsey got word that mother shipton was making predictions about him he was pissed So he sent three men to her in disguise to burn her at the stake. They go to her cave and she's like, come on in, boys. Carl, Joe, Jimmy, how's Cardinal Wolsey doing? Have some Doritos. She knew exactly who they were, even though they were trying to disguise themselves. (laughs) They were shocked. They sat down. She was being super friendly. She fed them food and ale and was just like being really nice. And they're like, look, like. Maybe it wouldn't be so nice if you knew what we were here to do. Like Cardinal Wolsey sent us here to kill you, to burn you at the stake. She smiled at them, took the scarf off of her head and says, if this burns, then I'll burn. She threw it into her fire and the the scarf laid there untouched for an hour until she picked it up out of the fire and just was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. Thanks for checking in. See you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the visit. It's been a nice chat. Yeah, that is crazy. What did I have to say? Now I can't think of it in my head. Keep going. And she was also right about Wolsey. Oh, wait, I do know what I have to mm, say. mm -hmm. I think sometimes poetry can be like a prediction. Mm, It sounds mm -hmm. to me like she's like almost just a really good poet. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like a because that especially the one about King Henry sounds to me like she's criticizing politics. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and then of course, like you know, shitty stuff happens in politics. So like, yeah. you can really read what you can read a lot into. You it. could line that up to any like <laughs> yeah. monarch dictator exactly. that's existed. <laughs> so. Again, she was right about all of it. She did not burn at the stake. And Wolsey was arrested just outside of York. He saw it, but was not able to enter it. <laughs> That's so Moses, too, right? I know. You'll be able to visit, see Canaan, but never get there. You'll get your people there. As the years went on, Mother Shifton became more and more famous. She never died at the stake, thankfully, but people say that some of her predictions foresaw future technology and even the end times. One of them was, a carriage without a horse shall go, disaster fill the world with woe. In water, iron, then shall float, as easy as a wooden boat. So some people take this to be talking about trains and steel ships. Mm -hmm. And then in 1881, people were getting very worried because that is when Mother Shipton predicted the end of the world. 1881? Mm Mm-hmm. 
The World to oh, an oh, End I Shall see. Come in 1881. Now, if these last couple predictions seem a little different, a little far-fetched, and too specific, you're right! <laughs> so just these last two about, like, the ships and the trains and the end of the world, these were all made by a man named Charles Hindley. <laughs> in the 1890s, he admitted that he had made a fake manuscript with a ton of phony Mother Shipton predictions. Which isn't this interesting. <laughs> uh, and he wasn't the only person who had done this. Fake mother shipped in predictions were released in a pamphlet as early as the 1660s. So like not even that far after she had died. <laughs> and this said things alluding to war and the beheading of King Charles. And I mention these because some historians wonder if maybe people were saying that these things were predicted because it made them feel better about how crazy things were at the time. It's like, oh, it's fate. Exactly. It's fate. If it's written in stone, if it's fate, then there's nothing that could be done about them. And there was some comfort in kind of handing that over to fate. You know, it's kind of like, okay, well, like, at least it's not our fault. <laughs> it's like being like, they're in a better place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of like it's a weird, comforting thing. Mm-hmm. So although there were many fake predictions over the years, even one saying that um, that the world was going to end in 1991, <laughs> the ones we talked about earlier were real. If Mother Shipton is indeed a real person, which of course is up for debate. But even if she's not, she's had a huge impact on world history, women's history, and the history of the literal landscape. So the cave where she lived is a very real place. And it does look very spooky and turns items into stone. That is true. It is called a petrifying well. The water cascading over the cave is extremely mineral rich in sulfate and carbonate. And items left in the water are coated in layers of stone. So not exactly petrification because the items still exist underneath, but it gives the same look. So... Because of this, and like that's why, like people were so fucking afraid of this place. They're like, I went, I like, like everything is stone there. Like I left a hat, and I came back two weeks later, and it has it, it's turned to stone. Like this is a real thing it's that people were experiencing. Very magical. Yeah, it seems magical, and because of this, the cave was turned into a tourist attraction in the year 1630, and of course, its connection to Mother Shipton. Um, and it's called Mother Shipton's Cave. So this makes it the oldest tourist attraction in England. It has been continuously operating and selling tickets since 1630. That's amazing. That's why fucking Europe is so cool. I know. I've got that bomb cool three that? times this yeah. episode so far. I need to calm down. You can tell I've had a crazy day. <laughs> Hundreds of people, maybe thousands, still come every year. And you can also pay extra to have your items turned to stone. So now when you go to the cave, long strings hang from the cave containing stone teddy bears, trinkets, books, and other items. Some people also say that maybe the mineral-rich water surrounding her cave was the reason the herbs she grew may have been more effective. I don't Ooh, know if that's actually true. Maybe that's why she's such a found. good predictor. Her stomach turned to stone. Maybe. <laughs> she was absolutely being poisoned. A regular old Medusa. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. But it's pretty darn cool that people have been paying to see a woman's house for nearly 400 years. 
Mother Shipton, a.k.a. Ursula South Isle, d- died in 1561 when she was 72. That's a long life. Yeah, it is. Uh, and she, of course, predicted the time and date of her death. And even if she did not have any magical powers, she was still a woman who had grown from a possibly disabled child, you know, born to a teenage orphan out of wedlock, maybe to the devil, (laughs) to a powerful and respected member of the community, even if that came with a little fear. She even has her own statue in the middle of Narsboro, which I think is apt since her home has been fueling the local economy for 400 years. Mm. And that's mother shift in that's an incredible story i love that so much it's fun it's like got a little mystery it's got a little spook and like this is the thing even if she's not real the idea of a woman who can impact culture so much Mm -hmm. is real yes it is and it's the reason we cover fictional people yeah well also it's like i am a firm believer that Ursula as a human existed. Right. I really do believe, like, obviously, I don't think she was legit a witch, but I think that she existed. And I don't know if she lived in this cave, but it's pretty cool. And I mean, she obviously had a husband and a life. And like, I don't know. I think that she, I don't think she made a toilet seat fall on somebody's head, but maybe. <laughs> but maybe. Maybe she was really great at like frisbee golf yeah. and just like psh, right over there. See, I love it if she had like a little, like, boy accomplice who was like hiding behind and like ducking through the crowds with like it's her familiar seats. but it's just yes, like a little boy a little boy <laughs> little boy from town oh that would be great all right well let's get on to the second witch of the night oh a much different type of witch <laughs> We're back. Part two. Second witch. Four red drinks. So many red drinks on this table. (laughs) Bonus wine tonight. We're really, it's Halloween time. We're confronting Scorpio season with all the fervor that it needs. I love it. I'm feeling it. By the time you guys listen to this, it is Scorpio season. Yeah. I mean, really what it means for me is I feel like I'm having a total meltdown. Um, (laughs) Of course it does. What are you not having a total meltdown, Katie? That's true. That's the question I have. Um, (laughs) Um, Okay. You want to know what you're drinking? I do. This is called Chaos Magic. And it is grenadine vodka, red sprinkles around the rim, a cherry in the bottom of a martini glass and sparkling like raspberry water on top. Wow. All okay. shades of red all Cheers. together. Cheers. Mm. That is a, mm. It's a punchy drink. Mm-hmm. I like it. I also like the sparkles. I almost expected them to start popping in my mouth because <laughs> they feel like pop rocks. To yeah, me. they do. <laughs> That's fun. Um, yeah, it's a very, like, simple but good cherry cocktail. Yeah, I it's like very it. cherry. I was going to go cranberry, and then I was like, it's too much like a Cosmo. Yeah. And we just recently did a take on a Cosmo, mm-hmm. so I was like, I can't one-up the Kiwi yeah. situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me what you know about the Scarlet Witch. Okay. The interesting thing about my history with this character. You did it backwards, didn't you? Of course. I've never <laughs> seen any movie. Okay. The only Marvel movies that I've seen are the first one. Iron Man. Iron Man. I think I saw a Captain America. Probably. That was pretty early on. And like, that's it. 
Mm-hmm. That's it. I haven't seen any other movies. You haven't seen Endgame? Of course not. It's five hours long. You haven't seen Black Panther? No. Katie, you would love Black Panther. I know I would. It looked so good. Michael B. Jordan's in it, and he's so hot. I can't get into it. It's okay. so much. I feel okay. like I would be doing homework if I was watching them. So anyways, but... That liked... should be your New Year's resolution oh. for next year. Um, Marvel <laughs> Yes, that's it. Um, so I... Watch. Did watch WandaVision though. Perfect. Because I liked the idea of the show. Mm-hmm. So I watched WandaVision and I really liked it. And Good. I love Elizabeth Olsen. So many Easter eggs in that show. So that's it. Okay. So I know that she's a witch. I know that she is Russian. I did want to see. Cause, oh, no. I'm sorry. That's Black Widow. She's Different. Eastern European. Yeah, she's, yeah. But they're both Eastern European. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then she was married to Vision. Vision. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you ready? You ready to learn? Okay. So Wanda Maximoff as the Scarlet Witch debuted as a comic book character uh, in March of 1964. 64. 64, which is the Silver Age of comic books. So the World War II time was the Golden Age of comic books when we get all the America heroes fighting the Nazis. This is like a little bit after that. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, two very famous um marvel creators and obviously stanley the most famous marvel creator and she was first uh publicized publicated in the comic book the x-men number four is it published yeah but i she (laughs) she wasn't published the comic book was published oh okay so she was first produced okay in x-men number four x-men number four okay this is where a Marvel does this a lot with like new superheroes. They will throw them into the X-Men because they can see the vibe of mm. the people because it's like a group mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's like sink or swim. Yeah. Are you going to stand out uh-huh. in this sea of people? Right. Or are people going to totally forget about you and not be interested? At exactly. All? Exactly. And she was interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what floats a duck <laughs> a witch um in terms of power she originally had the ability to alter probability but that slowly changed into her ability to alter reality for people and um she's been depicted as a sorceress since 1980s okay. so like it's been officially she's been a witch since the 80s what was she before that um just a uh a mutant that could alter reality. Did she have it? Was her name Wanda? Yeah, it was still Wanda. Okay, Wanda Maximoff. But yeah. she just wasn't known as the Scarlet Witch. And yet. I think she could have even been known as the Scarlet Witch. Okay. I think her mom was originally the Scarlet Witch, but it wasn't like her actual chaos magic comes later where she like does okay. the twitchies of her hands and uh-huh. does all the runes in the background. Like uh-huh. all of that actual witchy stuff comes later. Cool. Okay. So, um... In most, if not all, of her depictions, she is a reluctant superhero. Mm. And uh, she is with her twin brother, Pietro, Pietro Maximoff, who is Quicksilver. So, oh, really? Yeah, her twin brother is Quicksilver. Isn't he a part of the Fantastic Four? Uh, no. Oh, nope. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, he's he and she become Avengers. Avenger. Okay, yeah. maybe he's an Avenger. That's what I'm thinking He is, of. yeah. Okay. So what I decided to do to break this down is I just did a little dibble-dabble into the comic books, mm-hmm. but I mostly am focusing on the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they did such a good 
job with her story from the movies all the way up through WandaVision and now the movies since WandaVision mm -hmm. that it's like they took all the important elements of comic books and wove it together. So I'm going to do my best. I've listened to some of my comic book episodes before and I hate myself because I go too Why? in depth. I think I go too in depth. Mm. So I'm like, I tried to like pump the brakes. Also, I know we said it at the top, but Avery Bray pointed out a couple years ago, we did a lot of DC people. We said your person. Okay. Who did we say your person? We are right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Avery Bray. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Avery Bray pointed out a couple years ago, we were doing a lot of DC heroes. Okay. Um, and, and villains because there's a lot of the cool ones, right? Catwoman oh, and Poison Ivy. Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's so, hard because like, I don't really know the difference. Right. <laughs> right. So she's the one who pointed out and that's how this got put on the list along Excellent. with Black Widow. Did we done Black Widow? Yes. We did? Uh-huh. I did Black Widow. Mm -hmm. yeah, I always give these ones to you because <laughs> I, I, I... It's hard for me. It would be way harder for you. I'm so ignorant of the whole... The, oh, no. You know who I did? I did Storm. You also did Kamala Khan. I did. The new Miss Marvel. Marvel. The little, that was a the baby Miss Marvel, Marvel. Not, not Carol Danvers. <laughs> that was a really fun yeah, one. Yeah, and that was I really feel like I was specifically doing like her young new self, yes. which was really fun. Yes, it is. All right, so comic backstory. Okay. Wanda's backstory in the comic books has changed over the years, like many in the superhero world. But in general, she's born with her twin brother, and the first couple of years of their life is really hard. Depending on what comic you read, either one, they're born to typical parents, meaning non-mutant parents, and they couldn't keep them for some reason. They died. It was hard because they were mutants, etc. And they're given to foster parents. Or two, they're born to super parents who were hiding them and then give them up to typical parents okay. to foster. So it's one of these two things in all the heroes' stories. Either way, at some point, either her bio dad or her foster dad is Magneto. <gasps> no. Yes. Okay, that's cool. That is cool. I do know Magneto. Big bad as a dad. Yeah. Great. Also, now her little headdress is making a little more sense because uh, he likes a He has a very similar look <laughs> that like widow's peak like around his face. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um... I should also say that in terms of mutant, she has two backstories. The first one is she's born with her twin, and they both have the X gene. Okay. They're mutants. The other one is they were born and experimented on, and it altered their DNA. But Okay. Like, because they're twins, you have a control group. Mm. So, like, they were used as that, and their DNA got altered. Okay. One of the two. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> As I just said, Magneto is the big bad in the X-Men series, and his backstory is that he saves the love of his life from a Nazi prison camp, um, but she ends up leaving him when he has this overreaction in town um, because, like, somebody's burning his house down, he wants to save his wife and kids, whatever, and he ends up, like, killing a whole bunch of people, and she freaks out and, like, runs away. So she's kind of alone with either her kids or her foster kids. Okay. Which is very uncomfortable. But both the twins um, and Papa Magneto are unsuspecting of this familial relationship when they grow up. Like, okay. he doesn't know they're his kids. They don't know he's the dad. Interesting. So in X-Men number four, when we enter, Wanda and Quicksilver are a part of his band of evil bad guy mutants. Um, Mastermind, who is another mutant in this uh, initial 
comic wants to marry Wanda and she's like no way Jose you can't just like buy me like a piece of meat like I am a beautiful young woman <laughs> Magneto's on her side he doesn't even know it's her da- his daughter but he's just kind of like no yeah like that's not cool yeah. like don't do that uh-huh. Wanda is throughout her career in the comic books a misguided hero mm. she and her brother want to change the world they're upset about their disjointed childhood living in all these foster homes but they are always trying to do what's right. When they join Magneto, Wanda's constantly like, do you think this guy's fucked up? Should we stay here? Should we leave? They, it's neat because you get to see them bounce ideas off of each other because they trust each other so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do eventually leave. But what's strange is when they first meet Professor Xavier, they don't go with him. He offers and they don't go. But eventually... They quit all the mutant stuff and go to Europe just to live a normal life. Her and her brother. Like, let's go to Europe. I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before long, they're back into the mind of saving the world. And that is when Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch join the Avengers. And now that I'm at the Avengers, I'm going (laughs) to pause and go back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, perfect. Because I was just like, that's the comics. That's That's what you need to know. There's so many backstories and like, dividends or whatever it's like it doesn't even make sense yeah so the comics are the marvel cinematic universe is wonderful because it went backwards we didn't we learned about her story all the way through but wandavision if you decide to watch it totally by itself gives you her backstory along the way Mm -hmm. so it's very nice what we know she was born to typical parents with a twin brother in zilkovia He was 12 minutes older than her, so she's the younger (laughs) sister. She was born with the rare ability to harness chaos magic, which is the name of the cocktail. But uh, it's a powerful, rare form of magic, but it isn't, like, harnessed until much, much later in her life. And it probably was just, like, a small little nugget that would have died out eventually if she didn't meet all these other people. She grew up in a very small and loving home. And she and her family would practice speaking English by watching American English-speaking VHS tapes every night over dinner. When it was Wanda's turn to choose, she always chose an American sitcom like I Love Lucy or Bewitched or The Dick Van Dyke Show. On one of these said nights, Zelkovia was bombed. This is the Eastern European war zone that we kind of all dealt with in the 90s. Her apartment building is in shambles. The twins are 10 years old. Their parents are immediately dead. But a defective bomb has landed and is sitting in their living room. And they're hiding under a table for two days, these 10-year-old twins. And the bomb, clearly printed on the side, says Stark Industries. So, of course, Tony Stark is the murderer of their parents. He is a weapons dealer, which is part of the big issue with Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. The twins are taken to an orphanage, and over the years, they blame the U.S., and specifically Tony Stark, for the death of their loving parents in this attack. Which, how relatable is this to so many countries? I mean, we're literally right in the middle of this. Right now. At at the the moment. moment. It's horrifying. Mm -hmm. And it is like, I mean, your your thought always goes to the kids first. It's like, all these kids are in this situation, and they shouldn't be. There's no need for them to be there. It's so unfair. So I'm definitely feeling a lot for baby Wanda right now. (laughs) Yeah, baby Wanda. Wanda and her brother grow up to be human rights activists. They go to anti-war protests. They they fight Stark. They're 
protesting with big signs in the streets. But this kind of puts them on the radar of both S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the good guy organization, as a threat, and HYDRA as, like, their potential clients. Like, we got to get them working for us. The twins get deeper and deeper into this extremist protesting terrorist organization, which which happens when you're a teenager or, you know, late 20s. And they agree to have tests done on them and on their bodies to help save the world. Because, again, they're twins. There's a control group. Uh She possibly has chaos magic. Um, Which is funny because, like, they're probably fraternal twins. Oh, yeah, Which they means are. there's not actually a control. No, yeah, there <laughs> is a control. They're fraternal twins, for sure. And also, like, if their parents are born typical, if their parents are typical. Right. Yeah, there's not really <laughs> okay. a need. We're not going to pick hairs in the cinematic universe. Yeah, Marvel sorry, universe. Marvel. Get but... your shit together. You don't even understand. Um. So, anyway... This uh, terrorist group is run by Hydra. They do these tests and experiments using the Mind Stone, which is one of the Infinity Stones, oh, is being used on okay. them. Wanda is like the only one, and her brother are the only ones to survive experiments via the Mind Stone. And we see this in the Marvel movies. They show us this backstory happening, like her in like this cage or like you know clear see through plexiglass, uh-huh. like and being experimented on. Um, And this awakens the little bit of chaos magic that she had. It Mm -hmm. pushes it to a new level. So because of that, Wanda and her brother are locked up Mm. by Hydra in isolation. They're in jail cells. And, like, they wanted to protect the world, and they're doing this. And now she's stuck in this cell, and there's this terrible scene of her just sitting on a wooden bench in a jail cell by herself just staring at a TV showing American sitcoms. And she's just sitting there and sitting there. And it's so distressing. So the Avengers show up at one time to Hydra to get the scepter. This is a whole Loki side story. You don't need to know about it. They're just trying to. <laughs> it's a side quest. They're okay. getting the scepter. But Wanda and her brother are like in their cells and they hear Tony Stark is here. And they're like, fuck that. So they break out of their cells and they try to go out of them after them because uh-huh. she's extremely powerful. Um and uh tony she goes to him and is like making him see visions that's her thing she can break into people's heads and make them see their worst fears so she does it to tony she does it to a couple others in the room at this point but then she eventually lets tony leave with the um scepter scepter which her brother hates he's like we have him let's kill him right now and she's like let's let him kill himself Like, it would be better if he's, like, destroyed by the media. So the two are now free. They're out of their cells. They go back to Zolkovia. They provide for themselves by having Quicksilver run around and steal shit from people in the streets. He's, like, the (laughs) best pickpocket because he's so fast. Um, But the siblings have a disagreement. They are really upset over this Tony Stark thing and whether or not they should have killed him. They are summoned to an old abandoned church at this point. And this is when we get their first, like, real movie moment. Okay. So, so far, how are you feeling about these twins? They're just misguided youths, yes? I think that they have a lot of trauma in their past that is influencing their decisions. And I want them to have someone to, like, hold their hand and be like, this is where we should be going. Because right. I feel like right now, 
they're acting on anger. Right. Which is a hard place. And they, and it's hard because it's like they deserve to act from anger. They've had a lot of fucked up stuff happen to happen to them. Yeah. Their house got bombed. Yeah. They went to an orphanage. Uh Uh-huh. They got taken by a secret government organization and then got experiments done on them and then were thrown in jail. Yeah. That's their life so far. So I want terrible, but I want someone to be like, this isn't the, I want someone to like come in and like validate their feelings, but then point them towards a positive direction. Good. That'll happen eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Not right now. It'll be old cap (laughs) caps in America. You know, the good boy, the golden boy. So, one thing we should say about Tony Stark is that he is the famous guy he is because he is very good at tinkering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something he accidentally creates over and over again is AI. Oh. So okay. he created this AI machine. They hear there's an Iron Man at this old church. So they're like, let's go fucking get him. Uh-huh. I keep cussing this episode. Ah! I need to <laughs> calm down. I'm really like revved up. Um. Let's go get this Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get there, though, and it's Ultron, who is an AI robot that Iron Man created, but this AI robot has turned against Tony. Okay. So they get there. He's super evil. He does the classic evil thing. I'm here to save the world. I want to destroy the Avengers. And they're like, hell yes. I will say, every time they confront the Avengers with Ultron, Captain America confronts her, and he's like, you can walk away from this. Uh No hard feelings. Like, you are a teenage child. Mm -hmm. Like, you're allowed to leave. Um, But Wanda, who is stronger than all of them, continues to just, like, break into their brains and mess with their insecurities. Mm -hmm. So the twins do eventually break away from Ultron because they realize he is a bad guy because Wanda can kind of see into his brain. And um, when she's talking about it to her brother, because he's also kind of considering the Avengers a good guy, she has this amazing line. Ultron can't tell the difference between saving the world and destroying it. Where do you think he gets that from? Because Tony Stark made him. And she hates Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, but she does go to defend her home city, Zelkovia, against Ultron's army with the Avengers. She's like, look, this whole Ultron army is trying to attack my city, so I'm going to help. She stays to defend, and in this battle, her twin brother gets killed, jumping like in front of Hawkeye. Ugh. And Wanda flips her shit. She, like, falls to her knees screaming and all of the bad guys around her die. <gasps> she's so powerful. I've heard that she is like the most powerful. Yes. Her, in her the and Captain MCU. Marvel are, but Captain Marvel is so unflawed that it's not fun. Okay. Yeah. Like Carol Danvers is like very precise and uh-huh. it's like the Scarlet Witch is so flawed that it, her power is scary. Yeah. Well, I like that because, like, the term chaos magic is so perfect for what – because it's so based in emotions, it feels like. Anytime she freaks out. Yeah, it's like that's what it's like. Mm. So, again, there's this great scene where Ultron's dying, and he's like, you will die if you stay with them. She goes, I just did because her brother died. I just did die. And then she rips Ultron's heart out with mm. her bare hands. So, okay. Um – 
I will say that Tony's first AI creation, Ultron, was super shitty, but his second AI creation, Vision, mm. is amazing. <laughs> we love Vision. And he actually saves her from this collapsing city at the end of this, like, Age of Ultron movie. And after Vision, she enters a new chapter of her life. Wanda's relationship with Vision is accurate to the comic books, to the movies, to the TV show. Um, she becomes an official avenger and begins training along with Vision and a couple other of the mm -hmm. new people who joined. Um but she's in a new country and she's the last member of her family alive. And she's kind of upset about that. So she sits around and watches sitcoms, but vision starts to sit around and watch sitcoms with her. That's so cute. Um, <laughs> and this is one of the times when they're talking about her lost brother, where he has his famous line, grief is just love persisting. Oh. And that has been printed, especially since Wanda vision that has been printed mm -hmm. on things over and over again, because obviously we know vision passes away. So mm -hmm. he again says that line to her in that show. Yeah. The Avengers um, facility became Wanda and Vision's first home together that they share. They became the bestest, best friends and start to build a, cute like in universe romance that's only in this little house because they're kind of stuck at the house training right. so it's like a romance bubble again all of this in the movies it's so fun yeah um unfortunately wanda's power is very huge and it's hard to train and the avengers go into this battle and they need her there's this guy in the middle of the street and he blows himself up she uses her magic to contain the explosion and as she's holding it she tries to fly this guy up into the air, um, but as she's levitating him, she loses control, and the guy and the explosion goes into a high-rise, and Wanda kills <gasps> hundreds of people on accident. And this is where we get the Zolkovia Accords that bring us to civil war. The end decision by the government is you are all dangerous, and the two groups break up, right? You've got Captain America's team that disagree that superheroes are dangerous and Tony Stark's team that agree. And they're, they're like, we'll sign the paperwork. And it's like a massive in-universe split that then takes us through the next several, several movies. Um, when Wanda gets up to leave the Avengers compound as this fight is happening and her terrible murder is all over the television vision sticks his arm out. She's not allowed to leave. She's put on house arrest again by Tony Stark and her boyfriend. Oh, so she, of course, sides with Captain America, who breaks in to steal her. And she has to hurt vision to get out. <gasps> because, I mean, he's an AI creation, but Tony Stark created him. Of course, he's going to side. Yeah. With Tony Stark. But she's like, no, I'm a free person. I made a mistake while right. I was trying to save your city. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that happens. Yeah. Mm. So things get really heated. So it's bad. Wanda, Hawkeye, Falcon, and Ant-Man all get captured and end up in prison. And she is in the only one that's put in a straight jacket and a shock collar. That's how powerful she is. Oh, my God. These other superheroes are in sh cells right next to her. She, they do, Captain America and others do break in and save them, obviously. 
And at that point, Wanda and Vision run away together. They go to Scotland. And for a couple years during this Civil War situation, they're living a normal life as a romantic couple in another country alone together. They're so happy. Problem is, Vision has the Mind Stone and an Infinity Stone in his head. And they have to get it out to keep him alive because Thanos is going to come and take the stone out of his head. So they go to Wakanda because they have the best doctors that can handle this. And Black Panther's sister is like, okay, I can get this stone out of his head and keep him alive, but it's going to take a minute. So they're like, okay, go ahead and do that. But then Thanos shows up with his entire army. And this is like the end game situation. They are trying to hold down the fort, get the stone out of vision and destroy the stone before Thanos can get it. Unfortunately, they don't do it uh, fast enough. And uh, Wanda and vision run out into the woods because the surgery wasn't successful. They're out there alone. And he begs his partner to take his life by destroying the stone. And she does. Wanda uses her magic to break the stone in Vision's head. And his last words before I die are just, he dies, are just, I love you. It is the most distressing thing I've ever seen on television. It's so sad because it's like multiple movies of them slowly falling in love and him being the only one who believes in her. And then she has to kill him. Even worse, Thanos shows up and uses the time stone to turn back time a couple minutes and then rips the stone out of his head himself. I was going to say, because I was like, I thought that he got all the stones. Vision dies twice right in front of Wanda. She had to do it, and then she had to watch Thanos do it. I'm going to be honest. I don't love time turner stuff no it's no fun i think it's kind of bogus i think it breaks the rules Mm -hmm. of situations i don't know it's hard it's hard you it has to be like a pre-decided thing in in universe and there have to be rules yeah if there are no rules it's too hard yeah because like even in like the harry potter universe like Mm -hmm. i don't love the time turner because then it's kind of like these things exist. Couldn't someone have gone back and like stopped Voldemort a couple of times? You know from what I'm saying? From being born. Like, from anything. Like, <laughs> from anything. Literally from doing anything. Like it's kind of, and I understand like these things are like their whole movement. So it's like kind of hard to like exactly go back and pinpoint a time. But like they kind of feel like cheats to me. Yeah. A little bit. It can definitely they kind of feel like cheat But codes. because he's a bad guy, he can do the cheat code. You know, good guys don't use cheat codes because That's they're true. like, what if it affects the birth of this person and they don't exist anymore? Yeah. A bad guy doesn't have that moral or ethical code. Right. So the problem is right after he gets the fifth stone, he does the thing he wants to do and snaps and half of the population of the earth disappears, as we know, for five years. Um, and oh, just for five years? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought they like died completely. No, the people from the blip come back once oh. they fix the situation. Oh, okay. But like when he does it, it's assumed to be permanent. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, Wanda's one of the people who disappears. She's <gasps> one of the half of the population who was gone for five years. 
Um, and I just like, this is the, this is the, like, all of this is terrible. I absolutely hate it. She eventually comes back five years later and she's wanting to bury vision and stuff like this, but they're just like disassembling his body for parts and there's no tombstone. And she goes, um, to Tony Stark's funeral and has this whole thing, but nobody is going to vision's funeral. They're just taking him apart because he's a machine. So she drives to a town called Westview where the two had bought some property together and she pulls out a blueprint. And in the middle of the blueprint, it says to grow old with, she freaks out and explodes. And this is where we get WandaVision. All the people in the town of Westview are held captive making herself and Vision newlyweds on a sitcom. And she has such a breakdown that she doesn't even know it's happening at first. Every sitcom, of course, um, has fun, noisy neighbors like Agnes. (laughs) Um, And with each important moment in Wanda's life that she envisioned with wisdom, a new decade emerges in the town. Wanda's slowly realizing that what she's done but enjoys her reality altered life with vision so much that she doesn't care that she's holding people captive which kind of makes her a bad guy which is always what she is she's a reluctant hero Mm -hmm. and we know that of her in the comic books her and uh vision do get married in the comic books they do have a house and they do have twin boys and they have this whole life together but in the marvel cinematic universe she never got that Anytime someone messes with her reality, she kicks them out of town. She starts to have visions of dead vision um, and her dead brother. And um, she's just trying to grasp at straws by the end of this show, slowly having a mental breakdown to keep her reality the way she wants it. And that's when we find out that Agnes, her neighbor, is Agatha Harkness, who is a famous witch in this series. Um, And she is trying to figure out Wanda's chaos magic and trying to steal her powers. And this is the first time we really find out that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. This is when she gets her name, when she officially has that magic. Really? We haven't been calling her. Everybody knew because her name was Wanda. Like, we knew who she was. But we weren't really calling her the Scarlet Witch yet because she hadn't started wearing the outfit. She hadn't started doing the magic. She was just training, you know? So this was her come-to-magic moment. Real? In WandaVision? In WandaVision. That is crazy yeah and it it comes after the movies which is great and i'm gonna get to that in the planning of this for a minute um you know wanda and vision they fight for west to save westfield from agatha and um agatha frees the minds or wants to free the minds of the people and wanda starts to but then she realizes her kids and husband are gonna disappear so she doesn't she kind of holds herself up in her bedroom for a while. Um, but she goes to her house and she's there. She says goodbye to her sons and goodbye to Vision, the dream of the life that she wanted. And uh, she gives up on this magic. And then she leaves town and she coexists as a person that is Wanda and is the Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. 
She's in the Doctor Strange movie that has like a lot of multi-universe situations where, again, you get to see her struggle with the fact that she lost her kids that she never really had. But there are other Wandas and other universes that do have her kids. And it's very, very upsetting. But the reason that the Scarlet Witch and Wanda have become so important is that this is the first superhero female focused on womanhood and not on girl power Mm -hmm. so female superhero leads are very far and few between and they don't do successful things they're over sexualized in comic books they are underused in movies they don't make a lot of money their storylines are lacking um even black widow and captain marvel didn't make a ton of money yeah um wandavision is a superwoman show not a supergirl show and it's not i don't know it's one of those things where you are watching a woman go through trauma she's going through hey i was 10 and i lost my parents then i lost my brother then i lost my partner and all my dreams of my future Mm -hmm. are gone so instead of wallowing or whatever she deals with trauma she denies it that's Mm -hmm. what wandavision is it's her denying Mm -hmm. this lost life she wanted domesticity she wanted to live peacefully with two kids and her vision did that for a couple years in scotland Mm -hmm. so she knows what it's like and i just think it's one of the most like I think it's one of the most beautiful portrayals of a woman Mm -hmm. in a superhero show because she is an actual woman she wants to cook dinner and take her kids to school and like not that you have to like cooking or taking your kids to school but it's a very traditional view yeah she just wants to put on a dress and have a partner yeah Mm -hmm. and she doesn't get that and she's distraught over it yeah and i think that that is her her big impact on feminism yeah as a superhero is that she had a troubled backstory like they all do Uh she has a complicated superhero journey like they all do she's really the only one that is a wife and mom like to the fullest extent and she lost those people she i think the coolest thing is that she didn't just lose them she lost the dream of what they could have been which i Mm -hmm. think is very likened to having a miscarriage You find out you're pregnant and you start planning everything in your life. Yeah. You're like, this is when their birthday is going to be. This is when they'll be in college. This is Mm -hmm. when I have to save for this or for that. Like it gives me chills because Mm -hmm. you in an instant lose not just like a baby that was never born yet. You lose 18 years of a life that you planned out in your head. And it only took you five minutes to plan it out and start Mm -hmm. dreaming about it. So I think that that's what's really cool about wanda that she is the crux of what it means to be a woman going through trauma yeah well i've never thought about wanda vision as kind of um, an allegory for grief i mean like i know that's like the blatant thing of it but like specifically like the grief of a family that like Mm -hmm. you know like you've envisioned and like it's not gonna happen yeah and like it doesn't mean that the (laughs) it's funny because like his name is vision but Mm -hmm. like because it doesn't mean that those visions aren't real to you. Right. And it like, is real. That is like a very specific kind of grief that like, again, like, because it's a whole lifetime that you're envisioning. It's not exactly like 
I'm grieving the loss of a grandparent Mm -hmm. because it's like, well, we had so much time together. Like the years we had left were going to be pretty similar to the years that like I already already spent with them. This is grieving a whole potential future. Right. Which is very interesting to think about. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can relate to. I agree. Lost that vision in an instant of like what their life could be like. Yeah. And I think too that it is telling that Marvel chose this as their first TV show. Yeah. And I feel like it was a really big success. It was a great success. It Mm -hmm. got everybody watching everything else. I love all the TV shows they put out, but Mm -hmm. I don't love anything the way I love WandaVision. Yeah. I mean, even I watched it and I am not in this whole thing at all. Yeah. I really liked it. It's great. Mm. So are we ready to toast? No, just the two of what? us. We talked about. Oh, the two are you of done, us. Wanda? Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's her whole story. <laughs> wow. She ends up WandaVision, and then she's in the Doctor Strange movie, and is in a multiverse. That's it. Okay. With her well, kids, we don't know yet. That's I'm excited Wanda. to see where she goes, though. This is very interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. I love her. All right. I mean, I ignored like there are comic books where there's some twin cest going on. Oh, I just got rid of it. No, thank you. Yeah. No thanks. We don't um, need a Lannister situation over here. No. All right. Well, now we need to talk about these two ladies together in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. They both have an Agatha. I couldn't believe that. Because <laughs> yours didn't come until like the very end. When and I was like, wrote, that's so funny. When you write, when you said Agatha, I was like, well, I mean, Agatha's such a famous Marvel like foe to the Scarlet Witch. I was right. like, this is perfect. Well, it's really funny, too, because we have a lot of, like, iconic witchy names. I feel like Ursula, Wanda, and Agatha, Agatha. are very witchy. Witchy so, woman's baby. Um, and I, it got me to thinking about witches. And I because obviously they're both witches. And I was like, man, does every witch have to have, like, a really upsetting upbringing? <laughs> and, like, a hard early life. Who knows? I mean, maybe. I think... I don't know, because I don't think Anne Boleyn had a hard life, and that's why they cut on trial. That was her thing. She's a witch. Mm -hmm. But that's what they just accuse women of when they think that they are not doing what they're supposed to do. Right. Well, and it's also like there's this big line between good and evil in both of these stories. Mm -hmm. You know, people see them as bad, but they kind of want to be good. But also being bad kind of suits them you know for ursula she's like well if i'm bad people won't bother me if i put chamber pots on their head they'll stop mocking me in the streets they'll leave me alone they'll leave me the fuck alone and i feel like for wanda it's on a way bigger scale Mm -hmm. of like i'm angry at the world and that's why i'm doing these bad things is because like i have been treated bad so it's kind of like there are different reasons for doing bad things, but also they both have roots in people treating them poorly. Right. You know? There's also the very, like, can't live with or can't live without her situation for both mm. of these because mm-hmm. the, the Avengers could have said to her, you're not ready to go out into this yeah. battle. And they didn't. They yeah. used her because they knew how powerful she was and then they weren't willing to deal with the consequences. <sighs> right. I mean, it was the same. Like, we you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That's it's, a Spidey-Man it's thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ben. Hell yeah. Um, and I feel like that's, like, the whole thing. It's, like, they want only the good aspects. But, like, that's not how human beings are. And I feel like that's the great part about Wanda's story is, like, she feels so much more like a full human being than a lot of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
and she's a woman who by consequence has magic yeah she's uh-huh. not a superhero that's a person mm-hmm. exactly um and i think it's also interesting like we both talked a lot about i feel like insecurities you know like ursula was a woman who apparently if we're believing the legend was born with a hooked nose mm-hmm. and a crooked back like she looked different than other people sure and like if we are taking that literally this is a woman who like if she had a bad back like she was disabled is probably or differently able it's probably hard for her to get around and like maybe she felt insecure about that and that's why she was lashing out and also if she is in this town and like people think that she bewitched toby into being with her maybe that made women in the town feel insecure Mm -hmm. and like maybe that's why they said she had a hook nose and a crooked back and it's like well like she only did that because like she's a witch and she's a shitty person and i feel like insecurities can breed a lot of evil and that's kind of what wanda's magic is in a weird way is like she breaks into people's minds and can target those insecurities Yeah, she can. And I think, though, she's also like dealing with a lot of like insecurities on her own. Like she's, you know, like we said, she has a terrible backstory. She's growing up in a weird way. She ends up with a man who's an AI development of a human that is brought to life with like a Thor Thunderbolt. There's like so from a person she hates from a person she hates. (laughs) Like, that's also a crazy part of this. It's like. She like she hates Tony Stark so much and then falls in love with his creation. Yeah. And also, like, let's remember, being a mutant is being differently abled in this world. Yeah. uh Like this. They are discriminated against. There are laws against them. They're treated different. So it is like she ends up to be an Avenger or an X-Man. But there are. People in society with an x gene that Mm. aren't in the superhero group i think we forget that oh yeah there's a lot of them in the universe that don't become superheroes they're just there and living and being picked on and Mm. made fun of and treated differently yeah they have their own little cave yeah well i also feel like speaking of kind of normalcy i felt like they had brief periods of normalcy like i was thinking about ursula's first couple years married to toby Mm-hmm. and wanda's couple years living in scotland with vision and like how it must have been like okay this is it this is it this is gonna be my forever and unfortunately like forever doesn't isn't always what you think it's going to be well forever's like, not guaranteed exactly yeah and it kind of makes me sad that like you know they had these brief periods, you know, they both got married despite, you know, the odds stacked against them. They were probably two people who like people that would never get married. You're never going to find love like you're too fucked up. And they're like, no, I did. And it was a real true love. And everyone wanted to make it something bad. Yeah. And it just makes me sad. I I love the also the personification of a witch like mm-hmm. Wanda is stunning, mm-hmm. stunning. Because we have changed what it means to be a witch yeah. over the years. Like the magic versus the person who's decrepit and scary living in, in a cottage in the woods. Mm-hmm. And I think that that says something about independent women with power mm-hmm. over time. Like I just think that Ursula was an independent woman with power and that made people uncomfortable. Yep. And like maybe she was, yes, on the outskirts of society and didn't quite fit in. But 
the reason people didn't like her or were uncomfortable with her is because of the sway that she had with community. Uh-huh. The king was talking about her, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is wild. And it's also, I, I thought a little bit about how Wanda's whole story was her trying to kind of rein her magic in <laughs> and control it because it's literally chaos magic. And Ursula's was much more of a controlled magic that got better over time Mm -hmm. and uh, I think that that can be a real decision you have to make you know I think Wanda again like she chose to go forward with her life from a point of anger Mm -hmm. and I think Ursula was like I'm not going to do that I don't care how these people treat me I'm going to make them their medicine I'm going to do this you know like I'm going to help them when they need help I'm going to help them get their shit back when it's stolen you know it's like I feel like there's a difference here in the underlying purpose and that can affect your life. I mean, like Wanda is like not living her ideal life. And like, I don't know if Ursula did either, but Ursula lived to the ripe old age of 72. Right. You know, and was respected. And I don't know. I think that can maybe tell us something about like <coughs> what motivates you. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And, and what I mean, kind of magic you're putting in the world because of it. Wanda's still kicking and yeah. we'll see. She's gone through these last couple of years of Marvel have been hard for her. Yeah. It's been like since 2020. She's really struggling. Mm. All right. Well, do you want to toast these ladies? I do. I am ready to toast. Right. Who would you like to toast? I want to toast people that are going through loss of mm. a future. Yeah. Whatever future it is, whether like. It was a job you applied for that you really thought you were going to get and you didn't get, or mm-hmm. you had a partner pass, or you had a child pass. Just like there are so many, like, view or like you put in an offer on a house mm-hmm. and you pictured yourself oh. in the house and then you lose the house. That sucks. It does. Yeah. So I want to just, for whatever future loss, yeah. people don't see it so they don't think it's real, but it's yeah. so real. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to toast the rejected women who make it anyways. (laughs) I loved Ursula's story. I love that she ended up crafting a life for herself that like it seemed like she was satisfied with. Good. And I I like that. You know, she had power and she welded. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) All right. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? So I need to remind everybody that on January 30th, the third Crescent City book is coming out. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You have a date for it? There's a date. That's exciting. January 30th. So I started my reread of the first Crescent City this week, and I I do want to caution people, it's a lot of world building in the Mm -hmm. beginning, but it is the most artfully crafted Sarah J. Mass books yet you can see her maturing through her series so mature i am so proud of her and i'm ready for the third one (laughs) and i'm like gearing myself up so i just like i've started to reread so if you start now everybody you'll be ready for the third one on january 30th that's a good call i'm gonna do that yeah perfect it's time what what are you into i'm also gonna promote a book so you guys know on this podcast, another author we love is Christina Lauren. Yes! <laughs> She's so good. Katie, what is wrong with us? I don't are know. Are we just a reading club? Yes, we are. Are we just a book club? Join That's it. the book club. Um, <laughs> Christina Lauren, two best friends who write books together. And 
This week, I listened to Something Wilder. I've got to say, this is my favorite one. No, I love love and other things. I know you do. Something Wilder is very good. Let me tell you, because they they do a whole author's note. They're like, this is a very different book for us. Yeah, (laughs) they had to, like, figure shit out. They, like, went to the desert to, like, (laughs) make sure this was realistic. It is an action-packed, like, adventure book. Let me tell you, I was gasping in the car this week i was like (gasps) (gasps) who has a gun like what (laughs) i and i could not figure out how it was going to end that's what they're great at because here's the thing uh what i love about their books is that they ask another question Mm -hmm. because the answer to every romance novel is yes they're going to get together sure but there are other questions that they're asking in their books that uh-huh. you're like, I want the answer to that so fucking bad. <laughs> and uh, yes, yes, Christina Lauren. And I just feel like that's the gift they are giving to like the romance novel world. It's like they give you something else to focus on while also giving you a fantastic love story. But it's and- also like that's why best friends writing to or two people writing together is so cool. Yeah. Because then the other person can be like, but what if? <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's the yes end situation yeah. yes and <laughs> and i love too that they get they, they pop in in the beginning and they're like well a young girl in our life was like i want you to put horses in your book and they're like okay and that's like kind of how this whole thing came about. <laughs> and they like wrote it during covid when like everybody was locked down and like i just like i loved this book so much it's very good it's so very something good. wilder Christina Lauren. Okay. It's fantastic. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us. If you want a little bit more, you want to learn a little bit more about personal lives, you can join us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can fund our cocktail budget and get to know us a little better because we're perfect because we're great. Um, And if you don't want to do that, you can just join us right back here next week for another episode of First Around the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the things. Uh, But mostly, we want you to never forget that well-behaved women don't do witchcraft. No, and they rarely make a street. (laughs) Goodbye. You've been listening to Her Story on the Rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.